0: Before we take our seats, I'd love to be able to read our text for you. We'll be going to Matthew 20 and 29. Now as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, have mercy on us. O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, That our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Our title on today is Lord, Have Mercy. Oh, let's give the Lord praise as we are seated on today. (laughs) Giving honor to our pastor and our first lady, let's praise the Lord for the leaders of West Angeles Church. Oh, come on now, we can do better than that. That's, that's my daddy and my mama right there. Amen. I also wanna praise the Lord for the beautiful and lovely introduction given to me by my own brother. Let's praise the Lord for the leadership of this service by Elder Tyrone Potts. Amen, praise the Lord. And I would not go any further without mentioning my first lady, Lady Deandra Blake, amen. How you doing? Amen. Well, I promised her I wasn't going to talk a whole lot about all of the wonderful things that she's been doing in the life of West Angeles Church. But I do want to praise the Lord for what he's doing in her life. On next Sunday night, she will be bringing a, a special word during our worship inverted, a worship experience. Amen. So let's praise the Lord for her. Amen. No pressure. You got to cover. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, beloved, this passage of our text happens just as Jesus was leaving Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. Of course, there is always a large crowd around Jesus when he is in public. And as they were walking, a couple of blind beggars began to call out to him, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. They cry out even louder, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd tries to hush them up and make them be quiet, but they screamed even louder, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. This catches Jesus' attention and he stops where they are and looks upon them and says, what do you want me to do for you? They replied, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus has compassion on them, and he touches their eyes and heals them, and they begin to follow him. Now, this occurs at a very critical time in the life of our Savior. He's on his way to fulfilling all of the prophecies that were spoken about him throughout the history Of the Hebrew people from the mouths of the prophets and the holy scriptures. He's on his way to Jerusalem where he will be betrayed, falsely accused, tried in a kangaroo court, tortured and beaten, and then executed by the cross on those whom he loves the most. In fact, just before our text in Verse 17, Jesus tells the disciples what's going to happen to him when he gets to Jerusalem. He tells them that he will be betrayed and handed over to the chief priest to be mocked, beaten, and executed, but that he's going to rise again from the dead on the third day. Now, they must not have gotten that last part because immediately after he tells them what's going to happen to him, The mother of the disciples, James and John, goes to Jesus and asks if her son's thrones can be on the right side and on the left side of Jesus' throne when he sets up his kingdom. Now, I'm not really sure what their mama was doing there in the first place, but it lets us know that the majority of the crowd was expecting Jesus to set up a, a completely different kind of kingdom than the one he was actually going to set up. They all expected him to set up some kind of earthly kingdom or government and rid them of those Romans, man that were oppressing them. So the crowd, for the most part, thought that they were going to be following Jesus to the top of the ladder. They thought that they were riding the gravy train. That's why I don't think that they could comprehend Jesus letting himself be captured and crucified even though he told them many times that he was going to be captured and crucified. They seemed to only want to remember the good parts of the prophecies. They wanted him to rule and that they would rule with him. But he told them many times and showed them not that he came to rule, but that he came to serve. He tells them that true greatness is in serving. He then tells James, John, and they mama, and the rest of the disciples that were mad at James, John, and they mama because she asked Jesus first before they could ask him about their little individual thrones that it is he that seeks to serve and not he that seeks to rule that will inherit the kingdom. Amen. He says that if you want to rule with me, you have to be willing to drink from the same cup that I drink from. Then he asks them, are you ready? And then they answer, yes, we are. And then he says, all right, we'll see. But as they walk a little further and the crowd continues to grow and to follow, they hear two men crying out in the distance. And even though Jesus is on his way to fulfill his call to save all of mankind, he stops for two blind beggars that refuse to let the crowd quiet them down. And what of these two blind, broke down, homeless, poor and tattered beggars who obviously had become a nuisance to those that lived in that area? You see, to us who have our sight, to all of us who can see, the word blind is just a word. But to these men, it was their whole existence. Very few of any of us here now what it is like to feel the warmth of the sun on your face, but to never be able to see its light. Very few of us here know what it's like to live life In constant darkness. Not to be able to see the faces of those that you love. To have to walk carefully because you can't see what's in front of you. Very few of us know what it's like to have to feel around in order to move around. I was told to be careful what you say even in a whisper around blind people because a blind person's hearing is is very good and they can probably hear what you're saying around them. Well, I don't know about that completely, but I'm certain that these two beggars overheard at times those around them talking and speculating as to what sins they or their parents committed for God to curse them with blindness. I'm certain that they overheard at times people talking about them as if they weren't even there, like they were nuisances or, or wishing that they would just go somewhere else no one was ever happy to see these two blind beggars no one here is ever happy to see somebody walking up to you to ask you for some spare change but for the most part these men lived their lives in hopeless dark desperation they had nothing left to lose each day they had to listen to where, they could, to where they could hear the most sound coming from so they could be in the best position to ask the largest amount of people for change. Because the more people you ask for change, the greater your chances of success in getting spare change. I've seen people living on the street argue and fight with each other over the best spot, the best intersection to change to stand to ask for change. These men had memorized the sounds and the smells of the road so they, could, so they could tell for some reason on that day something was a little different because the road seemed to be a little bit louder that day. They could hear a large crowd in the distance and their first thought was probably that they were about to make them a whole lot of spare change that day. They might have been thinking about their next meal. But we can be certain that as the sound of the crowd grew larger and louder, that they heard the reasons for the increased noise level that day. They heard that the Messiah is coming. The son of David, the king that will deliver God's people, is coming. Amen. There's somebody over here is happy that the Lord is coming. We need to give the Lord praise because of that the rest of the crowd felt that jesus was on his way to starting up his earthly kingdom but these two blind homeless beggars could see that something much better than some spare change or their next meal was passing by they knew that jesus was passing by oh look at your neighbor and say jesus was passing by. So they, in their desperation, cried out, not really expecting, but hoping that the king would hear their cries. But every time they called out to him, all of those around them, the crowd, told them to keep quiet. And I have to assume that it would be just like that today because very few of us are actually happy to be around what we would call homeless people you can look at the way that most of us try to ignore them on the street while we're trying to get gas or to go to the store our favorite market I've even seen the way that some of us in here glance at some of those who come in here from off the street sometimes oh you may think that we don't that bishop doesn't see you but oh he sees everything if the president or some other head of state were to come to West Angeles and was passing by in processional and there was a homeless person who everybody thought was crazy, was yelling for the president to look at him, most of us would try to quiet that guy up as quickly as possible because we would not him want him to embarrass the rest of us. But I've always thought that there was something peculiar and interesting about the crowd. I found out that the crowd can be kind of fickle at times. You see, it was the crowd that Jesus fed that day with two fish and five loaves. It was the crowd that he would preach to and minister to. It was the crowd that he would touch and heal. It was the crowd that yelled, Hosanna on Palm Sunday and yelled, crucify him on good friday and even though they appeared to be following jesus they were in fact missing him completely i mean they wanted so badly to believe that jesus was the hope of israel that he was the messiah the son of david the promised king of israel and like why would the king of israel stop to listen to two blind beggars when he had a kingdom bring about how dare these blind beggars waste the Messiah's time and embarrass them with their loud yelling I mean the crowd was even more blind than the two men who were crying out to Jesus yet it was these men who knew and could admit that they needed a touch from the master in fact it was the entire crowd that needed to be crying out son of David Have mercy on me. Because the crowd and the world would have their own definition of greatness. But Jesus' definition of great is one that would serve. One that would stop on their way to saving saving the world to hear the cries of the blind, the lame, and the hurting. And in Luke 5 and 12, it says, And it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. Now, if that same man had been so ashamed of his condition, that he had stayed inside that day, or if he had covered himself trying to hide his leprosy, then he never would have been healed. Because of his condition of leprosy, this man was already a public outcast. Yet he fell at Jesus' feet, exposed his state, and begged God to do something. He publicly admitted that he needed a touch from the Lord, and that need... Was met. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise on today. Now, these two blind men, like the woman with the issue of blood, had reached a level of desperation in their lives to the point that they were not going to let the opinions of those in the crowd stop them from getting what they needed from the Lord. Amen. Many of us here are walking around in desperation, even today, at our wits' end. stressed out, hurting, and unhappy, and barely able to hold on to our last nerve. But we're trying to act like everything is okay here at church. And our masks are very tightly attached so we can give off the impression that everything is all right. We walk around not wanting to call out to the Lord because of what those around us might think. But I'm trying to remind you beloved that the church is the one place where it is supposed to be safe to call out loudly to the Lord. But we in the crowd have made the church one of the most unsafe places to show our vulnerabilities. There have been people here who have been members and leaders in the church for years that are hurting. And they've been dealing with issues in their own lives, but they will not come forth for prayer. They won't come down to the altar because as soon as we see them coming... Towards the altar, we get to wondering and talking. What's what's going on with him? What's going on with her? What you think her problem is? Oh well, I heard her mama was didn't getting along with her husband and her kids and all in jail. And this is what she used to be on the dope too. You know what I'm saying? We get to talking about everybody's struggle, and we have made it unsafe for people to bear their soul to the Lord. Y'all don't have to say, "Amen." I ain't scared of y'all. I know it. I've been here for a while. I know how it goes. Amen. Even if I went down to the altar to get prayer, they'd be like, "Hmm, what's wrong with the assistant pastor?" Amen. But sooner or later, whether you know it or not, life has a way of bringing all of us to some kind of desperation. Oh man, you may think you have it all figured out, but sooner or later, you're going to need a touch from the Lord, and you're not gonna care what the people around you have to say when they see you saying, have mercy. Son of David, I need a touch from you. Oh, we have to remember that it is those who call out to the Lord that receive a touch from the Lord. The only ones in the crowd that day who got what they needed were those two blind beggars that said, oh Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. Only those of us who fervently cry out to the Savior are the ones who are going to get what they need. Oh, you can't sit there trying to look cool and act all nonchalant because that's ego. Oh, that's you trying to act like you already have it all figured out and you don't need no touch from the Lord because, oh, you're just so blessed to be stressed. You're just too blessed to be stressed. Amen. That's you trying to put on a show for the rest of the crowd. But it's very interesting because we never like to see ourselves as part of the crowd. Even though we might be standing making up a crowd. Amen. Well, I have a, I have a confession to make if it's alright. Is that okay, beloved? I feel like I'm with family. Amen. Some of you may have heard The bishop bishop gave me a task a couple years ago of overlooking all of the newer member functions of West Angeles. From the time that someone comes to the altar and goes into the prayer room to the time that they matriculate through orientation and graduate from the new members class, that has kind of fallen under my oversight of prayer now. I like to tell myself all the time that I'm my own man and I'm not the bishop and I'm my own kind of elder and I don't have Nothing to prove to nobody, but, well, I I really wanted to do a good job at that task that God gave me. I really wanted to show myself and show the world and the crowd that I was competent and capable. So I'd have to say that since that time, I've really been thinking about the new members process. And early on in the assignment, I gave myself the task of videoing the process in the prayer room so I could get a better assessment of how we do things. So one day I was going to go down there into the prayer room and, you know, do a little video and everything like that so I could see how we do what we do and see ways to make it better or different as I went into prayer about that. one setting when I decided that I was going to go into the prayer room, I, dis- I set my intention. While Bishop was doing the altar call, I walked down the stairs right there at that very spot so I could walk into the prayer room after the people got saved and join so I could do what I had to do, what my job and my task was to do. I was tired, my feet was hurting. It was after the second service, I was hungry. I just wanted to get it done. (laughs) So I stood, and as I stood there waiting and complaining about my feet hurting and being hungry, just silly things, I saw a blind woman come down that aisle right there. I was standing there waiting to see what I could do. And she came down the aisle and she stood not more than 10 or 15 feet away from me. Now I glanced at her and noticed her but I was too busy counting all of the people that were standing at the altar so I could make sure that I got the best spot to do my filming so I could do what I was supposed to do. Bishop had finished praying and he was shaking the hands of our new family members and was telling them to go into the prayer room. And I watched for a couple seconds as this blind woman which didn't, who didn't know the way to go, which can happen even when you can see. You know, even when people can see in Bishop prays room, they're so dazed up at the altar, they don't even see the prayer workers standing next to them. They don't know which way to go. So, of course, someone who was blind definitely would not know where to go but I just stood there watching her just for a second not, I wasn't even doing a thing but after a couple seconds not a long time but long enough for me to notice I saw someone touch her arm and moved her towards the prayer room and then I filed in right behind them and went to the prayer room and did my videoing later that day that moment crashed into me like a sledgehammer to the face. The second I saw that young lady not knowing which way to go, I should have gently grabbed her arm and her hand and walked with her to the prayer room. I mean, I can see just fine. I knew where the prayer room was. I could have walked with her to that prayer room, but I was so focused on what I was supposed to be doing at the moment that I was thinking about getting in the prayer room so I could observe our process and do this big job that I had. And there I was thinking about how to help make West Angeles a more warm and welcoming place, and it got right by me when it counted the most. With my natural eyes, I had acknowledged this blind woman's existence, but I was completely blind to her need at that one second. And it hurt. I mean, it, it hurt. Because I had, had to come to the realization about myself in that moment that I was the priest that I was the scribe from the Good Samaritan story that had passed by that beaten and robbed man on the road on the way to Jericho. And it hurt. It messed with the image that I had of myself as somebody who knew the word and the spirit of the Lord. It hurt. Oh, don't look at me funny because we all do it every day. We pass by the beaten and broken and robbed people left by the side of the road every day. Beaten and robbed by life and its circumstances every day. You don't, even, you don't even notice that they're there anymore. We've gotten so locked into our routine. Oh, don't act like you don't do it. Everybody in this building has done it at least once. But back to that Sunday. I mean, dad had done his job under the spirit and the anointing of the Lord. He preached to the people. He loved the people. He was doing his job, and I halfway left it up to him to love God's people. But I can't look at it like it's only his job to love God's people. It's not just his job as the pastor to love God's people. We can't leave it just up to him. It's all of our job to love God's people. It's all of our job to help each other and usher them to Christ. I had to realize later that night that I too was part of the crowd. Not the part of the crowd that was trying to to hush the blind men down and keep them quiet, but that part of the crowd that glanced at the blind men, saw them, and went on about their business doing what they were doing in the first place. I, like those in the crowd that say they love Jesus, should have gently grabbed those two men's hand and led them straight to Jesus. But they missed it. Just like I missed it. Just like we all miss it sometimes. Which means that we too... Can sometimes be blind. That I too can be blind to the needs of those around me, which means I too need to cry out, Son of David, oh Lord, have mercy on me. Because I can't do this by myself, Lord. I need your mercy, I need your spirit. I don't care who sees me crying out to him. I don't care if you tell me to be quiet. Lord, have mercy on me. Open my eyes so that I can see. Not give me prosperity, not give me what I want, not bless my ministry, but open my eyes so that I can see, so that my eyes may be opened. It's our job as the church to take those that are hurting by the hand and lead them to Christ to make it easy to get to him. There are people who are coming here right now who might not look the way you think they need to look. They might not be dressed the way you think that they need to be dressed. They might not smell the way that you think that they should smell. They might have the smell of the world on them. They might have the smell of pain and despair on them, but they are hurting. Their very presence here is a cry that says, oh Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, let those of us who say we know the Lord, are we gonna be like that crowd that told that men to be quiet? Are we gonna be like that crowd that told them to sit down? Or are we going to grab them and guide them and usher them to the love of our Lord and Savior? Now, that doesn't mean you grab, literally grab someone and bring them to the altar. But in this case, it might mean that you actually help somebody get to the altar. But we show them the way by the way we treat them. We can show them the way. Sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we are completely oblivious to the pain of those around us. We're completely blind to us. So the cry of all of us should be, Son of David, O oh Lord, have mercy on me. Everybody repeat after me, Son of David. O oh Lord, have mercy on me. Oh, have mercy so that we can see. Have mercy so that we can see you. Have mercy so that we can see your will. Have mercy so that we can see each other. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. You see, revival, beloved, revival. The next great move of God's spirit in this church isn't going to start with the Holy Spirit. I know it's a shocking thing. God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, is already here amongst us. Oh, it is alive and well, and it doesn't need to be revived. Oh, we asked for a new word from the Lord, but we haven't lived out the last one that God gave us a long time ago. Revival here in West Angeles has to start with us. We are what needs to be revived. We are the ones that need to call on his name, for if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and hear their lands. Oh, we're the ones that need to learn to love each other better, beloved. We're the ones that need to be crying out, oh Lord, son of David, have mercy on us so that we can see. And even in the middle of fulfilling his destiny, his reason for being on his way to Calvary to save all mankind. The son of God stopped to love and touch those who were hurting and who were blind. Oh, I'm just glad that one day he stopped for me. I'm just glad that one day he had mercy on me. Oh, he still has mercy on me. Oh, now I'm going to follow him. Oh, give the Lord praise if he has had mercy on you. And after he touched them, They followed him. Now, the Bible doesn't say anything else about those two men after they got touched and healed, except to say that they followed Christ. Now, that's the best thing that anyone can ever say about anybody, that they followed Christ. I hope when I'm at the end of my road and I've been gone for a long time, that they will think about me and say, oh, he followed Christ. Oh, stand up and give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling. The brothers play softly. This is our prayer. Oh, this whole church is an altar today. Although we may call some of you forward earlier to accept, later to accept Jesus Christ, this whole church is our altar today. And we stand here as one body today, one church today, crying out to our Savior, Son of David, oh Lord, have mercy on me. Lord God, it's me standing in the need of prayer. Lord God, it is me that needs a touch from you. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our eyes that we may see your spirit, so that we may see your love, so that we may see each other. Teach us to love each other. Make us one in you. Oh Lord, because we're blind, Lord. Open our eyes so that we can see, and we'll thank you, Lord, and we'll follow you. We'll thank you, Lord, and give you the praise. Hallelujah. And we'll forever rest in your name. Hear my young old cry.